0: Welcome to episode seven of the podcast. Today we have our favorite registered dietitian, Ashley Kabutha, again. Ashley, I think you are our number one repeat podcaster. Yes. <laughs> and. <laughs> Aww, that's so nice, guys. Welcome back. Today we're going to delve into food intolerances and allergies, how to test for them. We're going to talk about IBS and bloating and FODMAPs. And it's going to be a really interesting discussion, as I think, as always in the sort of nutrition world, there are lots of trendy sort of, you know, tests to do. Or I think suddenly everyone is gluten intolerant and dairy intolerant these days. So uh, I think it'll, it'll be a great conversation. And thanks so much for coming on again. Yes, thank you so much for
1: having me. It's always a pleasure to be back with you guys.
0: Welcome, right. Well, yeah, I think let's get straight into it.
1: And Sounds sorry good. for the uh, background birds oh, yeah. here.
2: We're back. Oh,
1: yeah. I don't been keeping it real. Reminding people we're in Kenya. I love it. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's a topic of interest for them too, obviously.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh,
2: oh, jeez.
0: Right, well, let's, I think. Should we start with sort of food intolerances and allergies?
1: Yes, yes. So I think that's um, a really good um, way to kind of start and understand that there is truly a difference. And many times people are using them interchangeably. Um, So the food intolerance is really just a digestive system response. Um, So it's totally localized to the gut. Um, Whereas when you have a food allergy, that is actually signaling the entire immune system. And that can impact the entire body. Um, And that can be more severe. And that's where it can be life-threatening. So the food intolerances um, are usually just you know, minor symptoms when compared to an allergic reaction. Um, So an example of a food intolerance would be lactose intolerance. So they just can't handle the carb or the the sugar that's a part of dairy products. And so, um, you know, in some cases, just taking an enzyme can help break that down and they will be just fine. Um, whereas an allergy you do have to truly avoid that food. Um, and again, you know, symptoms can range from, you know, just gut distress to I can't breathe. Um, so again, those allergies are much more, um, something to be concerned about, but not to say that we shouldn't be mindful of the intolerances as well. Does that make sense?
0: It does. And I think it's, it's really important that people know the difference. Um, because I know w- when I worked in hospitality, everybody that came through was, um, like gluten intolerant. And i would be like, are you a celiac? Because I wanted to know how extreme it was. Yeah. And they'd be like, uh, what's, that? what's that? So I think, like right. you say, people confuse the two a lot.
1: <laughs> they, they do. And then to also go off that point too, many times people, um, you know, assume because they have a symptoms that that definitely means I'm intolerant to it. So like with gluten, I hear that all the time. Um, you know, so again, just educating people on what foods actually do have gluten, what are your mm-hmm. symptoms and where are they truly coming from? Um, cause you know, people will say I'm doing a grain free diet, right? So then technically by default, they're usually avoiding gluten. Mm-hmm. Then when they bring the grains back in and the gluten back in, they say, Oh my gosh, I'm so bloated. But actually it's probably because now they're taking in more fiber and not enough water. You see, mm. so many times we're just overemphasizing this intolerance, and when we actually take a look at okay, what actually did I change in my diet here? What's going on? Um, many times they're they're over I don't want to say overdiagnosed or just like overemphasized and people are just like thinking they have an intolerance to so many different things. So again, uh, always important to make sure you're talking to a registered dietitian um, or a proper allergist to make sure that, you know, um, we're not avoiding foods unnecessarily um, because that really can cause issues in terms of getting overall nutrition, you know, if we're avoiding so many things um, and especially with kids. You know, many times parents are on these very restrictive diets because it's, into- you know, they say they have this intolerance or, or, you know, misinformation and things. And that can really cause issues in children's development and, and if they're not getting the proper nutrients from other foods. So, other things to keep in mind.
3: Well, I remember when I was young, like a long time ago now, but um, generally, you didn't hear about gluten. A little bit, you heard about a little bit of lactose intolerance. But then all yeah. of a sudden, overnight, everyone became. Yeah, know. <laughs> and and so Some celebrity somewhere must have mentioned it, and it became super trendy, so trendy. to be sort of gluten intolerant.
2: Yeah,
3: you know, yeah, intolerant. And no one's had a test. I mean, people self diagnosed using Google, or they have yep. been told they're gluten intolerant via someone else saying their symptoms. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's all gone. It's all gone a little bit crazy. Yeah, and I'm sure there is certain levels of intolerance. It's like a sliding yes. cell but you know, I think you're... Not, you. Know, eh? I think you
1: bring up a really good point because many times you know when we look at these trends of you know people saying now I'm gluten intolerant or I have seal you know these other things that I need to avoid it usually stems from some sort of fad diet so like the wheat belly book I'm not sure if you guys have heard about it but that's just you know cause saying like wheat is the reason we have all these issues wheat is the reason we're (laughs) overweight and all these things and you know correlating it to gluten and it's like Okay, but when we actually look at what is gluten, gluten is truly an amino acid, so a building block of protein that's completely natural, but as it's a protein, it can cause an allergy reaction in some people or those symptoms of intolerance in some people. But again, if we look at the data and we look at the stats, we see that only 1% of the entire world's population truly has celiac disease. It's not every other person you see walking on the street. You see, so again, it's just so important to look at where is this information coming from? Why is it so popular? You know, and what is the actual science and the professionals in the industry telling us?
0: I think that's that's just yeah. so key. I remember that book and there was another one like Grain Brain or something. Yes. And and it, yeah, it all stems kind of from that. and And again, people, you know, wanting to lose weight. Oh and, yes. you know, kind of hiding it like, oh, I'm gluten intolerant kind of yes. thing. Um, but then that backfires because they think, well, I'll eat all this gluten-free stuff and that's healthier. I will lose weight. But you're like, um, <laughs> it doesn't yeah. work like just, that. Um,
1: pass, me all, pass me all those gluten-free cookies, please. Yeah, I'm gonna lose weight. And you're like, oh my gosh, there's more sugar there. There's more calories. Cause you know, they gotta make it taste good. Um, so yeah, I guess yeah, just, like- just so much yeah. misinformation.
3: Sorry, Andy. When you read the ingredients on gluten, well, I was going to say, when you read the ingredients and gluten free bread and see what's actually in a lot of these gluten free, you actually, yeah, well, even if you are intolerant to gluten, a lot of this stuff is going to affect you worse than the gluten ever was. It's
1: true, because they have to add things in to make it taste better. And then, of course, there are some good gluten-free products that you can get that are whole food-based, you know, if you truly have celiac, but many of them don't. So you really have to know what you're getting into because, again, if you're going to do this gluten-free diet, people that do it, you know, that are uneducated on the topic can actually um, get really low in their B vitamins, Mm -hmm. um, you know, which ironically is supporting um, uh, metabolism, right? This later actually reducing their b vitamins um iron um as well as um you know fibrous you know specifically so again we really just have to look at when i do have an allergy or i am avoiding a food am i making sure that i'm now replacing it with other nutrient dense foods to ensure i'm not getting any nutritional gaps yeah
0: yeah that's it's sort of like in the environment you know if you do something to something in the food chain; it'll affect everything. And yes. you know, if you cut out an entire food group, which people often do with gluten, they'll just cut out carbs because they don't really understand what it is. Like you say, now that's that's got a knock-on effect. Yes. I saw someone yes. make a pizza
3: something the adjusted. other day. <laughs> Sorry, because I saw someone make a pizza base the other day using chicken. Like, they made, like, like, mashed up chicken, like, blended chicken to make it like a paste, yeah. like, and they put everything on top, I was like, right, I was just thinking, like, the amount of protein you that consume, the amount of, like, you know, just calories you've just turned that pizza into just by <laughs> adding stuff to, you know, make a, a base just because yeah. you think you've got some sort of gluten intolerance, and you've probably never had tested.
1: Oh my God! Right. that's so funny. Jesus. I have never heard of that one. That that's is a
3: Very
0: intriguing. <laughs> so, Ashley, maybe you can tell us, like, oh, well, okay, well, you've again. told us sort of... It's probably all online. It's probably... Oh, yes.
2: Sorry? No, we're saying it's all online. Oh, online.
0: oh, right. It's <laughs> like,
2: hang on.
0: <laughs> no, I was just going to ask, Ashley like, to tell us a bit more about gluten, you know, where you know, cause you've said it's an amino acid, but sort of what foods are in and sort of a bit more yes. about that?
1: Yeah. So that's a great question. So, um, gluten is found in wheat, rye and barley. Um, so if you truly have celiac disease, you need to avoid those, um, those ingredients, those grains, really at all costs, because you're going to have, you know, severe reactions to that. You're not going to feel well. Um, And people with celiac are are usually quite sensitive, as are people with other allergies, other food allergies. So you also have to be very aware of cross-contamination. I mean, if you're even using the same toaster, you know, as somebody who just put a a slice of wheat bread in, that can cause a reaction. You know, using the same cutting board that hasn't been washed appropriately, a knife, or if you're like... um, you know dipping it um the knife in butter and then putting it on your bread that's gluten-free but somebody before you used wheat you know so those mm-hmm. small things can really trigger it so again and getting back to the actual grains um that have the gluten in it it's the wheat the rye and the barley um and then the rest of them are gluten-free the um other thing people need to be a bit concerned about is oats mm-hmm. um not that oats um, have gluten in them per se. Um, but it's this, um, idea that many grains are just kind of, um, uh, packaged together or, you know, they're not really separated appropriately. And so you can get a lot of cross-contamination. So it's not necessarily that oats are truly gluten-free. They, they don't have gluten. So, you know, when you buy like the gluten-free oats, if you have celiac, that just means that they took extra precautions to make sure that it was not cross-contaminated with any gluten-containing grains.
0: hmm yeah, no, that's, that's, that's interesting. And yeah. I mean, so gluten intolerance is a common one. And then mm-hmm. so is, I think
1: the next one is probably dairy intolerance. and Oh, so okay, so you want to get to like the eight common allergens. What are the most common allergens yeah, that, in the world? Yeah, that would
0: probably be. Good.
1: Yes. Okay. Perfect. So, um, it's actually so milk is actually the most common allergen, okay. believe it or yeah. not, um, especially among kids. Um. So and then um, you know, in no in no specific order, there's also shellfish, peanut, tree nut, egg, wheat, and soy. Um. Did I list eight? I, did <laughs> I always forget. One, like one, that's a lot. Yeah. So let's do it again. So, um, milk egg, wheat, soy, fish, shellfish, peanut, tree nut. I got them. There's the eight. Um, so, so yeah, so, so it's actually wheat itself. So not necessarily gluten. Mm -hmm. Um, remember wheat is only one of the grains that have the gluten. So if somebody is truly celiac or, you know, has the gluten allergy, it's actually the wheat, rye and barley. Um, so have that. I hope that's clear. But so again, you see, gluten is not one of the main allergens. Wheat is. is. Um, so yeah, again, one percent of the world's population truly has celiac. So it's really important to again, you know, work with a dietitian and an allergist to see what's causing my symptoms. Why am I having them? Is it something else, or do I truly have celiac? Or, you know, or this wheat allergy?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's important. And. Just a quick question. Can you make yourself intolerant by cutting out a food group entirely? Well, well, not a food that, group, but like gluten. If I cut it out entirely, because yeah. I do find this yeah. sometimes with myself, I like, I don't cut it out because I'm gluten intolerant. I just sometimes don't have the yeah. calories for it. And then yes. kind of when I have it again for the first time, I'm like, oh, <laughs> hello.
1: Um, yes. <laughs> yes. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. So, um, You know, technically you can't make yourself like intolerant or you can't make yourself have an allergy to Mm -hmm. it. Um, But kind of what I was saying in the beginning, it's sort of that our body got so used to not having it. You know, and then when we look at the products that have gluten, for example, it's your breads, it's your grains, they're so heavy in fiber, like so Mm -hmm. much fiber, that that's usually what's causing that GI distress Mm -hmm. is this overload of fiber in a small serving compared to what you're used to Mm -hmm. having. Um, So, usually, that's what it is. Um, Is your body just, your GI just getting used to that overload of of fiber? And then making sure, am I drinking enough water to compensate now Mm -hmm. for that extra additional? huge dose of fiber. Um, so I find that that's usually what it is. Um, so, you know, anytime you're bringing something back in your diet, just to help your body get, you know, used to it, acclimated to it. If you're kind of experiencing some of those symptoms, just do smaller amounts, yeah. um, and then see, but yeah, you can't, um, as far as I know, I stand to be corrected. Um, you can't induce, um, an intolerance or induce, um, an allergy to something
0: now that, that makes complete sense. The way you've described yeah. that. Yeah so for if you suspect you have an intolerance um or oh. allergy should we get into the oh. testing part
1: of things this is
0: where it yes, gets uh, yes
1: <laughs>
0: we can definitely get into
1: the test and you guys um i'm sure you're so aware that there's a million and one different tests and every day there's a new one on the market oh, yeah. um so as i always say make sure everything you look at is science-based and by a legit professional Um, you know, because you want the most accurate results, right? We just don't want to be playing around with our health and, you know, especially something like allergies and intolerances. Um, so the three main ones that I'm going to talk about today are are for the allergies. So, um, you can get a blood test that's actually going to test for, um, the, the immunoglobin, um, the immune response, basically to keep it in simple terms to see if that's present in your blood. Um, so that's the blood test. And then you can also do the skin prick test. And so this is where they will put the, um, they'll like scratch your skin a little bit, like you won't bleed. And then they'll put the actual, um, a bit of the, uh, like a liquid that has the allergen, the potential allergen mm-hmm. in it, and see if it causes a skin reaction um, to that product, uh, to that to that food. Um, so those are those those two options. But the gold standard is always going to be the oral food challenge. Um, And that's where you're in the, you know, under medical supervised, you know, um, in in an office in a setting. So where practitioners are there, if you are having this reaction. So where they're going to give you a certain amount of this potentially allergenic food and they're going to watch you and they're going to record your symptoms and how you react. And why that is the gold standard is because 50 to 60 percent of the skin prick tests and the blood tests are actually false positives. So they're over-diagnosing these mm-hmm. allergies. Um, and some of the reasons for that um, is that, let's say, you know, so the, the protein from the food that they're putting on your skin is actually an undigested protein, right? Because it hasn't gone through your GI tract. So it could be that it's an undigested protein that you're showing this reaction, but if you were to actually consume it and have it broken down appropriately, it's not going to cause a reaction. So that's one reason. The other reason is that let's say um, uh, I'm potentially um, like, for example, um, detecting proteins that are similar among foods um, may not trigger an allergic reaction. So like if you're allergic to peanuts, Your test may show a positive response to other members of the legume family, like green beans. Even though you're not allergic to green beans, because it's related to the peanut family, which is all in the legume, it's going to have similar proteins, you may show that you're allergic to it with this test, but in fact you're not. Does that make sense? So that's why the best way we can do this is that oral food challenge to literally take the exact food, have it go through the digestive process, and now see how is my body reacting to it. Um, so among all of these other technologies that are coming out, um, you know, the, the doctors continue to go back to that oral food challenge. Um, and that can also be used as you know a way to see if people have also outgrown their allergies. Because many times we'll have allergies as kids and then we'll outgrow them. Um, so it's another way to be really effective with that. Uh, but again, it's very important to note that we do want to be in this proper medical um, supervised you know, situation. So if anything were to go wrong. Um, but yeah, then that avoids you know, that false positive and all this misinformation. Now you're you know, limiting your diet and avoiding these foods when potentially you don't need to be.
3: But, I was going to say, um, I think the important thing what you said was... To do it under professional supervision i think a lot of people give themselves elimination diets
1: yes mm-hmm.
3: they sit at home and they're, they're trying to decipher their symptoms and they're often trying to find symptoms to just yes. point like the reason i'm overweight isn't the amount i'm eating it's because i'm bloated from, from wheat so you find the answer rather than actually doing a scientific it-
1: Exactly. So many people try to do these elimination diets, like you said, um, and and do them on their own. So, you know, they're eating a very imbalanced diet. Um, and especially we worry about that with kids. Right. Mm. Um, so again, elimination diets may be necessary, but under, you know, working with a registered dietitian to ensure that you're getting nutrients adequately, working with a doctor and making sure that you're doing it for the appropriate amount of time and not this excessive amount. Um, the other thing with the oral food challenges is that, 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 you know, there's different ways you can do it, but there's double blind ones where the person who's giving you the food doesn't even know if it contains the allergen and neither do you. So it's very, um, you know, accurate that way. Um, so it eliminates that placebo effect yeah. um, that many people kind of induce on their own, as you're saying, when they're doing this elimination diet on their own.
2: But doesn't the, the oral one just take long? Because imagine you have a list of foods. Then I go through nuts. I'm allergic to nuts. I get the reaction, whatever happens. Then you have to wait for the reaction to go down or the meds. Then you, I guess you put the list, okay, peanuts. Then you have to come back and do uh, whatever, I guess. Avocado or something bad like that. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. So again, another reason you need to be in that medical facility is if your reaction gets out of control, they can give you the appropriate meds um to do so. The other thing um that's important to note with you know, the skin test and the blood test is if you're on antihistamines like because you have other allergies like, you know, from the environment. If you have that in your blood, you're also not going to show, um, that allergic reaction as well, because that's going to mitigate that. So, um, it's very interesting. Um, again, just showing the inaccuracies of that. Um, actually, sorry, I meant to say that if you have histamine in your body, it's going to show a positive because histamine is what comes out when you have a reaction. Mm -hmm. Sorry. So the opposite Mm -hmm. of what I said. Um, so when you're on those, antihistamines they will show up positive on those those blood tests when it, you're actually not allergic to it it's just mm-hmm. that you have the the antihistamine happening the medication
3: and uh, say, the, the issue i've got is health food stores
1: mm-hmm.
3: around the world and including kenya give out tests for intolerances and allergies and where if they had no formal training but we wear a white coat in the shop and the person goes in and, and you know, you, you can kind of get suckered into believing the person there actually knows what they're talking about. When You
2: trust you the know, white coat. It's,
1: yeah, <laughs> It's so true, it's so true. That's why, you know, again, we're just in this world of misinformation, we're in this world of influencers, we're in this world of people trying to make money, you know, people trying to sell allergen-free products, you know, all this stuff. Um, we really have to know who we're going with to get the, the best advice, to get the best diagnosis, you know, to truly understand from a science-based perspective. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot out there, and you can just Google, and you're going to be there for the next five days <laughs> trying to, you know, go through all the information um, that there is available and all the different testing, yeah. Yeah,
0: it is it is the, the sort of – internet is a double-edged sword always and you just don't know who to trust what to do and yeah some things are so trendy and you know do this to not bloat which sort of everybody wants and it's just it's so unique to you so if someone suspects they have an intolerance or allergy Mm -hmm. could, Mm -hmm. could you walk us through like what would be your ideal sort of situation that they'd go through
1: yeah. So what I would like them to do then is, you know, they would come in, they would say, Hey, um, you know, I think I have this allergy because of X, Y, Z, you know? So what I would like them to do is keep a food journal, mm-hmm. um, or if they have this intolerance so they can you know, write out their meals very specifically, what time they're having them, when they're getting their reaction, what that reaction is. And then we can see, okay, what is the main culprit here? You know, is it, is it the amount that you're consuming? Is it how often you're consuming it? Is it, in, in, you know, based on your symptoms, it, is it intolerance-like or is it an allergy? You know, like, mm-hmm. then do we need to, you know, look into some of those tests, like the oral food challenge, things like that. So first of all, I would start with a food journal um, because that can be really insightful. And then also alongside that is, is keeping, you know, with the symptoms, a stool journal because that tells mm-hmm. us so much. Um, about what's going on in our gi and in that sort of thing as well and then helping to say you know is this an intolerance or is this an allergic reaction so thinking am i showing skin conditions am i showing other things or is it all locally based in the gi also mm-hmm. and then we would proceed me. you know to eliminate that product um, the potential offender um, and then see if the symptoms resolve that way um, you know and then um, if it's an intolerance you know take it out and then see slowly introduce it back to see if you're able to handle a certain amount or just no amount at all.
2: Also, this is just in regards to what Andy mentioned earlier. I, I, don't, I don't think we'd started the podcast, but it's like, um, say, let's even go 20, 30 years ago, there were no, well, I guess no known allergies, intolerances, and all this, everyone suffering from some kind of intolerance what would you say is the reason is it like over processing of food is it the number of new foods around the number of products being sold that all of a sudden even kids especially nowadays it's there's always you know (laughs) like there's always a kid with a certain intolerance allergy or as compared to a few years back when yeah when it was like very rare like an allergic reaction or a lactose intolerance yeah. like it was very
1: yeah
2: like i remember even with my friends like i remember only one friend out of you know like high school primary who had a lactose intolerance but now you go and it's 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 just the talk i'm intolerant so to this brief. i'm allergic to that yeah yeah you're,
1: you're- yeah you're right um the cdc does say that um the prevalence of food allergy in children has increased 50 percent between yeah. 1997 and 2011 mm-hmm. and Ooh. in from 1997 to 2008 the prevalence of peanut or tree nut allergy has more than tripled um now yeah. that's specific to the u.s population yeah. that last that i gave so it's very interesting um what's going on. And honestly, I don't have an answer for that. And it would be very interesting to talk to allergists and say, you know, what is it? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, many people will say it's the genetic modification of foods. But if we actually look at genetic modification, Mm -hmm. there's only (laughs) like eight or nine um, genetically modified foods in the entire world, you know, and also when something is genetically modified, you're not actually um you know making it more allergenic either if we get into the biochemistry of it um because you know they're very concerned about that they don't want to increase the allergies um yeah so it's 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 very interesting that honestly i don't have an answer you know i look and i'm like okay is it we're more aware of these things we're actually diagnosing them more often you know it's probably a combination you know the other thing is are we not introducing these potential allergens at a young enough age? Mm. Because research, you know, we used to, when we were kids, right? They would say hold off on all potential allergen foods until the child is at least one or two and hold off as long as you can you know and now the research is saying the opposite so Mm -hmm. the earlier you introduce the potential allergenic foods the less likely they are to have the allergy um so i don't have a good answer to that and i'm also very curious about it um yeah but i I would say that there's probably a variety of things Mm -hmm. you know it's it's definitely you know, not just one thing. Um, we always want those simple answers like, what yeah, yeah. And, you know, fix that this... and change it and make it better. But I don't have a good answer for it. Um, we'll be Yeah, waiting. We'll yeah be waiting but it is wild. That. When you look at the stats, you're like, Why? That's a yeah. huge increase. Yeah. Especially you the peanuts. That one just gets, one just the gets me. The peanuts, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one just really it's, gets,
3: it's, gets me. Like, yeah.
2: And I
3: it's more and people the- now seem to have a wider diet. So we come into contact with more things as well. I think, you know, obviously Yeah, you know, to be fair, like when I was a kid, you know, we're talking, you know, thirty years ago, you know, and, and more, thirty five years ago. You didn't <laughs> eat peanuts and stuff. At Christmas you may get monkey nuts occasionally or some nuts, but generally we didn't have the same sort of access to food as we do now. Yeah. Like, you know, the shops were more limited in what you could get. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I, I know as a kid i we didn't eat we would eat fish but we wouldn't eat a wide range of seafood
1: yeah
3: Yeah. we go to fish bunkers and get a fish but you wouldn't be true yeah that's it that's an interesting point
2: you know now now the options are too many
0: (laughs) yeah uh, and yeah like you know as she said and and what you said annie so you're you're introduced to these foods later so yeah you Instead of yeah. having them, you're not eating prawns when you're six months old, or or nuts <laughs> yeah. necessarily. So I think that it's it's fascinating.
2: There you go. We'll be waiting for your research paper on that one.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: with a research topic right there.
0: Or, or or as Andy said, you know, just kids are soft these days.
2: Yeah, could could be.
0: Oh, parents. Not
2: oh, parents.
0: Not <laughs>
2: parents. Um, I think Ashley's internet has. Uh, Give her a few. well at
3: least she's frozen on a good face yeah, yeah like yes. my parents would have cared if I had a bit of bloat if I came back and said oh, I've just eaten some toast I'm a bit bloated my mum would have be been like All oh, right. that's normal. <laughs> okay? Yeah. yeah carry on
0: yeah well when um, Ashley comes back we'll just say that like what symptoms would lead you to think you have an intolerance I mean everybody bloats that is
3: normal oh, digestion
0: it's part of digestion, yeah. yeah. You, you, of course you're not gonna have a sort of a, a flat tummy at night. So uh yeah, when she comes back we'll just uh, say what kind of what um sort of degree of bloating or GI distress would yeah, it, you need to take you, you know, to see a dietitian.
2: Became it, it's,
0: like,
3: yeah. it's uh,
2: in the Instagram world it became uncool to bloat. You know, it,
3: Something. well yeah exactly. and you know, it's like trying to say you've got to have a flat stomach throughout the day yep. <laughs> and the reality is most people have a bigger evening meal because mm-hmm. they've eaten on the go all day Bloody. it's something now they're sitting down and yeah. they eat properly and they're not moving you're going to have a you know, slightly increased stomach size you know it's just it's, it's... there's a difference between true bloat where it's painful mm-hmm. yeah yeah, it's really tight and it's really painful versus a slightly increased swollen stomach from digestion.
0: Exactly, mm, let's see. exactly.
3: Where? Let's see where. Is she...
0: She's... Uh, oh. <laughs> we lost her. We'll
2: continue as, well, you, as we wait. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: yeah. Sorry.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> I... I um, oh, I just think it's... You know, the, it could be a serious problem, like... I think people take it too lightly, intolerances and allergies, in terms of self diagnosis. Um, You know, you really should work with a nutritionist or a a dietitian. And
3: and an actual allergy is something really serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, maybe having a slight digestive distress after eating a pizza doesn't mean you're lactose intolerant. I always joke, (laughs) I'm lactose intolerant a little (laughs) because the pizza always seems to go right through me. But that's probably due to a. A massive amount of fat in it yeah true true <laughs> nothing to do with the actual dairy
0: uh yeah yeah i think we get so obsessed we're like oh i know it's that i know it's you the want dairy to blame
3: something
0: yeah or just the Lact- the, the, the the enormous quantity yeah. of food i think
2: mine was the opposite i denied it for a long time
3: because well, <laughs> uh, like with um ice with cream, cream
2: man yeah
3: people want to say oh you yeah, know i'm lactose intolerant because I, I was bloated after eating after, a whole pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing eating a whole pizza. It's alone. A of, alone. A lot of salt, yeah. a lot of carbohydrate.
2: And then you're eating yeah. that alone. It's, it's
3: yeah, definitely. you just can't handle it. And, yeah, uh, and you're not meant to. It's, it's not a healthy food yeah, choice. No. It's not meant to be. But people want to be able to say, "Ah, oh, it's due to intolerance rather than saying, actually, pizza's just not good for you. It's
0: just not good for you, yeah. And well, it's
3: delicious, but yeah. it's not good for you. Yeah.
0: Well, I also think that even if you don't have any known or suspected tolerances or allergies, it's still good to keep a food uh, diary. It's so interesting because, you know, yeah, and like as she said, the times, you know, when you eat and then like afterwards when you perhaps feel bloated or, um, or have the runs or burping or something like that, And you learn so much about yourself Um, and I think, you know, you can do that anyway. You got, sorry, was it just me that got disconnected? Yeah, don't Uh, worry, Ashley, we were just...
2: (laughs) Don't worry, you were smiling. You were smiling, you
0: left on a good face.
2: The YouTube (laughs) video. Um, So
0: sorry. No, no, don't worry, that's
1: that's, uh, normal.
2: It's never... Uh, it's uh, it's It's never a podcast episode if we don't have internet problems yeah
1: (laughs) this
0: is true this is true this
2: is true so catch me up yeah
0: um we were just uh saying um well we wanted to ask you kind of like what level of you know bloating or gi distress would you need to think that you you know have an allergy or intolerance um, and to see someone like, like, like yourself, someone, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. So I, what I would recommend is if you're having those symptoms and you're they're causing discomfort, like something's off. So I would recommend that um, you know you meet with a dietitian. So and you kind of see okay. You know, work out this food journal. When are you having these? Why are you having these? Is it related to a food? Is it because you're just eating a lot of fiber? Maybe you're constipated. Maybe Mm. there's something with your BM. You know, maybe there's something else that's so simple that that's going on. That's not truly an allergy or an intolerance. And so I would want to rule those things out first. Um, and then, you know, if they still persist, if we can't kind of, you know, relate it to extra fiber, not enough water, constipation, Mm -hmm. things like that, then I would want to look more into, is there a potential, um, you know, trigger food, um, and then explore cutting that out, you know, based on, you know, if it's just the gas and bloating sort of stuff and not something extremely severe, um, and then see if removing that, you know, mitigates those symptoms, and then now we know that's something that they're probably just intolerant to, and then, you know, we'll kind of move on from there as long as it's not the severe, you know, allergenic type type things. Does yeah. that make sense?
3: Yeah, we were saying, um, I think any sort of bloat's now super not trendy, and it's on Instagram, but there's a certain level of bloating for just digestion. Yes. Uh, if you, you know, are saying before, like your evening meal, when you finally sit down, people tend to eat a mm-hmm. lot more, And they're going to have a slightly swollen stomach, but doesn't mean you've got some sort of intolerance or massive distress.
1: Yes. And people need to understand too, you know, you know, is it coming with excessive flatulence? And they also need to know that flatulence is normal. It should be done (laughs) 15 to 20 times a day, you know? And so we feel like we shouldn't be having any of these sort of GI things and that any amount of them, like you said, means something is off. Um, And that's not always the case. And then I want to take it back too with bloating, you know, as women, um, menstrual cycles that's yeah. going to cause it you know what if you um um uh, ate a lot of salt you know you're you're gonna feel like you're extra puffy and, and bloated and things like that because of, you know so again that's why it's so important to look at your symptoms what you're eating what is your lifestyle what are you drinking and consider all those factors before we jump right to the conclusion that you know what <laughs> it's the darn gluten that's what it is yeah.
3: Yeah. and i was saying this when you're off about pizza I always joke that I, I've got slight lactose intolerant because pizza goes right through me but actually the reality is it's full of fat it's got loads of salt <laughs> there's nothing really great in the digestion of pizza so it's got nothing to do with lactose it's got more to do with actually pizza's just not that good for you
1: yeah uh, you know it, it depends right because if, if you're having like honestly like diarrhea from that that's not normal there there's something else there so potentially it is that lactose for you Um, you know but yeah depending on you know the type of pizza you know, it's probably not, you know, most pizzas are not that healthy. Although I will say, as a dietitian, you can make everything healthy as yeah. long as you're choosing good ingredients and making it at home. Um, With the chicken but yeah, base. You know, you, you could have your puffiness, your bloating, there's a lot of sodium, maybe you overate. I mean, who yeah, eats the right it. amount of pizza, you, you know? Have pizza. Yeah. If you eat a whole mass of pizza, there's going
3: to be some. Like, you're just- going to feel sick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, exactly. So, yeah, I, I find that a lot of times we're rushing to conclusions. Um, and that's kind of just like we want answers now. We want to fix this now. We want to be perfect, you know. And I think we just need to take a step back and say, okay, what did I really do? What is the big picture here? Mm-hmm. How often, you know, does this happen to me? What other factors are contributing? Um, and then again, reaching out to the right professional to help you understand what's happening in your body and why yeah. and if that warrants further looking into that intolerance or that allergy 100%. yeah i
2: think uh right there what you've said is like if we could just somehow make that go viral because people uh, like quick <laughs> fixes yeah. have, thanks
1: leon yeah
2: like just take a step back you know analyze uh, yeah. Do a food, even if it's a weak food diary, see what's happening. Cause man, people are quick to, you know, I'm bloating. Oh crap! Let me go see what my influencer says about bloating. And...
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're right. You're so right, so right. Mean, I think that's half the issue. Is people want a quick thing to point the finger at, yeah. rather yes. than looking at their whole diet, lifestyle, making wholesale changes. Just looking for those baddies. Yeah, those yeah. Baddies yeah.
1: Whole. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's I I couldn't agree more with you guys. Like, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I remember there was I mean I, and I definitely don't oh go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I, I
0: think I shared it with you, Ashley. It was a while back, some uh fitness IG babe was, you know, posting a picture of her bloaty. She's like, This is totally normal and then someone else posted like, I can't wait for the day. The influencers don't have to post that bloating is normal and you're like, Yes
1: <laughs> He's right. Like, Gosh! I know, I know. It's it's just really unfortunate what the the influencer, the social media, like all that stuff has done to our psyche. And I mean, think about all the time we spend on social media. It gets into you oh, and yeah. you start believing these things. And then I, I truly believe in like this mind over matter, like your mind takes over and like now you have all these symptoms because you just read this book or you just saw this post or you, you know.
2: Because it, it, it is hardware. Well, I guess someone will listen to the podcast, and they'll be like, "You can go to the doctor, do an oral challenge." Then there I come on my page, and I'm like, "Here is anti-bloat juice, kill bloating right. in two minutes." And you're like, "Ah, ah. this guy!
1: Yeah. He's gonna be a millionaire, Leon. Do I it! You will make so much money." So
2: it's, it's a bit, uh, it's it's quite an uphill task trying to get guys yeah. to...
1: And, and like I said, people are so into this concept of quick fix. You know, we look at all the technology, everything's at our hands, a click of a button, etc. And so we correlate that to our health. And we think health and, and decisions like that should just be quick, easy. We have the answers. Now we know what it is. And that's not just, that's, that's not realistic you know there's so many other things that are going on in our body and our environment you yeah. know things like that and and people really need to understand that it is not a quick fix it is not a quick answer um again you really just need to take and take a step back and really look at the big picture and, and what's really going on
0: yeah. yeah yeah um i think that leads us nicely into ibs because i think a lot of people do diagnose themselves with that as well so that's irritable bowel syndrome um yes i mean in my family my brother's got crohn's I'm sure my dad's got a whole host of things. And, and um, you know, so I've always thought, oh, well, I, I, I probably have that too. Um, but like yeah. when, when you've, you know, like you say, you look at the bigger picture before we get into yeah. IBS. I know for me, stress is massive, massive. It goes yeah. straight to all those kind of symptoms that could lead one to think they've got a, an intolerance or IBS or something like that. But I, I've spent a lot of time getting to know my body and, and doing like food Journals and things like that. But for me, stress yep. is an enormous trigger.
1: Yes. And I love that you recognize that because there is such a brain gut connection that we cannot underestimate. And when we have untreated anxiety, depression, stress, all these things, they absolutely are going to manifest in different forms and in different symptoms. And so, you know, in fact, I met with one client. Um, who thought she has, you know, IBS and she needs to do FODMAPs and things. But in talking with her, it truly comes down to she has a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety that's under treat, that's not being treated, even though her doctor says she should be on these things. And I said, you know, before we go into this very restrictive diet plan, let's get that stuff sorted out first And then now we can make a better judgment call on, is this actually an isolate, you know, dietary incident, or once we mitigate those other factors, is this going to heal on its own? Um, so that's an excellent point. And I don't think we give stress enough, um, weight when it comes to so many of these other issues that that are manifesting in our body so again excellent point and i think you guys need to do a whole series on the mind gut connection i know um, yeah and That'd be just a good episode. how significant that is yeah you know mm-hmm. um even like i i look at myself and i'll share this example like you know so i have anxiety and i'm very open about that and if i have you know, I'm on medication, but if I miss a day or something like that, it manifests as GI symptoms. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I could say I have IBS, yeah. but then it's like, all right, Ashley, what did you do today? You yeah. overworked, you didn't sleep, yeah. you messed your meds, you know? Um, so I think we have to be very, very aware of that.
3: Yeah, big. Yeah, and I think people people are quick to say we've got IBS when and don't yes. realize how serious actual IBS or Crohn's disease or, you know, or when you get to the and Uh, what's it, colitis or something, you know, my brother-in-law was in the Navy working on submarines and his got so bad as Crohn's disease he had to leave the Navy Mm. because he was in hospital, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's like Mm -hmm. the real end of uh, the actual disease rather than, you know, digestive distress and, you know, it's knowing the reality.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I definitely, I do want to acknowledge that IBS is a real thing, and people really struggle with it, you know, and I I don't want to make it sound like, oh, just manage your stress and you'll be fine, you know, Um, but just to take a look at that whole picture, the holistic approach, your lifestyle, you know, all those sorts of things, but IBS is definitely a real thing to many, many people, Um, and like I said, so many of my clients struggle with it, Um, so, you know, what it is, is basically, it's a really common condition that affects the GI, it's the digestive system overall, you know, those symptoms of cramping, bloating, diarrhea, constipation. um, It is usually this lifelong, you know, situation. Um, And what's so hard about it is that the exact cause is unknown, right? And many times it's so many things that are impacting it um but what is really encouraging for me as a dietitian is the the FODMAPs diet um that's a newer uh, you know in the dietitian world nutrition world a newer diet that ha- that's like the only one that has um scientific evidence to support you know, that it does help mitigate IBS symptoms, um, which is really exciting. So when people do have this, you know, by going on this diet, they're usually quite successful in feeling better and at least helping to better manage those symptoms. And again, it's not just a one thing, you know, it's not just doing this diet. It's how is the rest of my lifestyle? How is, you know, my stress, all these other things as well.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, irritable bowel syndrome. So... Can you just take us a little bit more into depth in, I know there's so many different symptoms like, and you can go from constipated to diarrhea in like a day. (laughs) Um,
1: I mean, literally, or the same day. Yeah. It's,
0: it's, it's, and like, what are there certain sort of trigger foods for that? And I know it's, it's a lot of other things, but it, what would, if some, what kind of symptoms would someone have, you know, that you would then say, okay, please come and see me. You know, this could Mm -hmm. be IBS.
1: Yes, yes. So if it's overall, like, those general, um, you know, digestive symptoms kind of that we just talked about, but also um, many of them come to me with a diagnosis from their doctor. I have IBS, yeah. and now that mitigates the FODMAPs for sure. Not saying that you have to have that diagnosis before you try it, Mm -hmm. but, you know, it's just another way to say, you know what? I went to the doctor. I got this medical professional advice. We talked about it, or I had X, Y, Z tests. Mm-hmm. You know, now I know that this is going to help me. Um, however, you know, this diet, I wouldn't, it is restrictive. Um, but you can still get your nutrients if you do it right. So for people that have some of these symptoms that are unresolved, as long as they work with, you know, a dietitian and their doctor, they can do it successfully and see, you know, are there symptoms yeah. being mitigated, um, through this diet? Um, So, yeah, so it's really, it's so individual, you know, that's the hard thing. But again, if they're Mm -hmm. having symptoms like this that are nonstop, that are not going away, it's every day, they can't pinpoint one certain food, they've been to doctors, they've tried this, you know, um, then I would say, let's try FODMAPS, um, you know, once all other things have been looked at.
0: Yeah, so what are FODMAPs? Oh, that's a, their name is long.
1: <laughs> it's so long you guys, and I'm totally gonna butcher all these words. Uh, but anyway, but so, <laughs> so what it stands for is um, fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. Um, so basically, what Say that, are so, <laughs> huh? Say that five times quickly.
0: Say that five times quickly.
1: Oh God. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh man. Um, challenge for everybody listening to the podcast. They can say it five times. <laughs> um, but anyway, so basically these are short chain carbohydrates or like sugars, right? That's what, you know, carbs eventually are, um, that in the small intestine, they are absorbed poorly. Okay. For everybody, but some people are going to ex- experience this digestive stress more significantly than the average person, okay? After eating them. So when they're getting more of these symptoms, you know, constipation, diarrhea, cramping, stomach bloating, gas, flatulence in excess, remember, because some of the gas and flatulence is necessary to mm-hmm. be expected, right? Um, then that mitigates, okay, let's look at this FODMAPS diet where um, it's, it's, you know, focusing on foods that are lower in those specific types of carbs. Um, And so it gets very specific in terms of eat this fruit, not that fruit, eat this vegetable, not that one, eat this protein, not that one. It is also um, gluten-free and dairy-free as well. Um, so again, you can see it can be quite, um, restrictive, again, if you're working with a, you know, a dietitian to have a very balanced plate, making sure you're getting all of your macronutrients, all of your micronutrients, you know, you can do that. And now because, you know, um free from foods have become so popular. There's, there's many more options available now in terms of other grains, in terms of other milks, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and that sort of thing too. So it is easier to do than it has been. And, and again, because this is one of the newer diets and and the only one that is science-based to help mitigate the symptoms of IBS, there's a lot of resources out there in terms of menus, menu planning, um, recipes, you know, so you can feel like you're eating a pretty normal diet, but avoiding those triggers for you. Um, and there's actually, we can share a link when we post this, yeah, um, I have several links so people can see, okay. Cause it's an exhaustive list, right? It's very comprehensive, which is good. Yeah. So people can look at that and, and see, okay, you know, wow, when I eat apples, you know, mm. how does that make me feel? And then you can kind of just correlate, like mm, maybe I should try this diet, but again, I, I want those people to, you know, be meeting with a professional so that they can understand, you know, just one time eating an apple and that you have X symptom or not doesn't mean, you know, there's a variety of things that could have caused it that day. So, um, yeah. So for more information, you know, they can they can look at the link that I'll send you guys um, in terms of specific foods. Unless you have any specific foods you want me to cover um, right now that are in that are in the the low fodmap diet.
0: Well, I know that, like, sort of sort of trigger foods for a lot of people sort of cruciferous vegetables onions garlic um um i don't know what yeah what what in your in your sort of experience are the most sort of common ones
1: yeah so the ones that are going to be trigger foods for ibs you mean yeah so the ones that are high in fiber so those are going to be like you said the garlic the onions the cruciferous as you mentioned like cauliflower um your beans so your black beans your kidney beans your lima beans um even soya actually Mm -hmm. um mushrooms Mm -hmm. peas scallions um you know so those are some of your like vegetables and legumes um that are going to cause it but you actually can have broccoli so you see that's a cruciferous vegetable but but it's not it's not considered um high FODMAP so again it's very specific so you can't just say avoid all cruciferous vegetables yeah Yeah. so you really have to follow it um because again it's based on those specific Mm -hmm. um short chain carbohydrates that I mentioned in the beginning that like what FODMAP stands for yeah
0: yeah I
3: know that uh... so I would say what's interesting there is it's funny, people self-diagnose with they've got gluten intolerance and they're, they're likely to bring in things like cauliflower <gasps> as a replacement by some sort right? of pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in fact, if they've got legit IBS, they probably actually then don't get worse. Yeah, get worse. Making... <laughs>
1: they're not, or they're not helping, you know? Yeah. it's great, If they have IBS and they took out gluten, great, but you, you didn't... Put in the right appropriate yeah. food by adding cauliflower, and you do know, and then, uh, yeah, it, it, ga- cauliflower is also going to cause you know excessive gas, all those other symptoms. So, maybe making it worse, that's yeah. Upon,
3: that's the problem self diagnosis without going to an expert, is yeah, you, you, know, you can do the wrong thing for trying to do the right thing,
1: exactly. And then you end up getting messed up more. You're frustrated. You're at your wits' end. You know, it's yeah, yeah. Always go to the professional. Um, cheap is expensive, right? Exactly. So you try to do it on your own, saving money, doing your research. It's going to cost you more in the end. Yep. You know, so yeah. yeah
0: and you could come, I mean, that's uh, the beauty of professionals, they're so good at seeing the bigger picture. You know, when you're you're in that rut and you just nothing is working, you're just so blinkered. Whereas you could probably look at their diet, look at their lifestyle, be like, right. It's glaringly <laughs> obvious what you're
3: you yeah. know, what you need to do. Yeah, well, when you're in the trenches, you can't see the woods
1: from the trees. Yeah. You yeah. want it's to, true. it to be sort something bigger,
3: but
0: you're not
1: seeing. It's true. Because you're in the midst of it, right? Yeah. 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 You're like, nothing it's, it's is absolutely working,
0: true. I can't eat anything. And then you have such I think people build up such restrictions and weird things with food, and can't eat this, you can't go out, and then you stress, which makes it worse. Oh, it, and it's... Now,
1: Exactly, and now you're not engaging with the, in those social situations that you used to because you're so restrictive in your diets, now your mental health, yeah. your social relationships. I mean, yeah, it, it can be a yeah. lot. And it, yeah, like you said, it just it gets you in that cycle. So um yeah so basically just meet with a professional and and get to the root of it right away so you know you can feel better and you don't have to suffer you know all those other issues from no. misdiagnosis and mistreating and you know trying to do it on your own and um, you know all that kind of stuff <laughs> That's the thing you know, people spend a fortune
3: on free from foods they go into a health food store well they buy all the gluten free stuff cuz they stuff like that ends up costing more than if you just gone oh. a professional. <laughs> so true. <laughs> and then dealt with yeah. it quicker.
2: Yeah.
1: And you didn't even exactly and you probably didn't even need to buy all those free from foods or maybe just some of them. And I will say in Kenya wow, Yeah. They are I mean, I thought they were expensive in the US. In oh, Kenya. Yes, ah, yep. They're like oh, excessive. Okay. So <laughs> yes. It's yes. Good and then again, we have to remember, we also have this idea that any free from food is better for me. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, it's free from this, it's free from that. And that puts this thing in our head that if it has that ingredient, it means it's bad. So now we're getting bad foods, good foods, and, and our whole relationship with food is thrown off and it's unnecessary. And we're getting that, we're teaching that to our kids. And again, the misinformation just continues, continues, continues.
0: Yeah. No, it's so right. Like it's. It, a health a healthy diet is sort of seen as gluten-free dairy-free sugar-free yes anything
1: else more free is perfect the freer you get the better and it's like oh.
2: yeah. just <laughs> yeah. yeah just drink water
1: just. right <laughs> i mean basically some of the way that people are you know overdoing this is is yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's very unnecessary and it's again scary. i go back to you know the whole reason people are doing this is to be healthier, mm. to increase longevity, to not yeah. have symptoms. When in fact they could be promoting them yep, because yep. they're not nourishing their body appropriately, because they're taking so many things out of their diet and and lacking so many nutrients. And again, I go back to because I want to make this very clear for kids that is especially concerning mm-hmm. um, because it's it's going to it can absolutely have an impact on their growth and development. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and that mindset. I mean, if your parents are sort of bread Nazis, you know, it's, (laughs) you're going to grow up with a pretty, you know, unhealthy mindset around food. And
1: absolutely. That's absolutely. And then think about what that does in their teenage years and especially with girls and eating disorders and body images and all of these things. So, you know, I really, as you guys know, um, healthy relationship with all foods, everything in moderation, um, you know, not good food versus bad food, but rather more nutritious versus less nutritious. Um, you know, all of these things, uh, putting it all together.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, big time. No, I mean, that, that's that's why we love having you on and um, just promoting that. Because I think a lot of people associate nutritionists or registered dietitians with that sort of, oh, if, if I go yes. see them, they're going to make me dairy-free, yeah. gluten-free, and not I'm not allowed to eat sugar. and I uh, <laughs> kind of thing. and I'm gonna
1: have a lettuce salad with just leaves and raw carrots and no dressing on it I'm like no. have you guys ever eaten lunch with me like yeah. I would never eat that
0: <laughs> oh, yeah no and, and that's why you know again like when we were talking about the coffee you know it's like I'm like yeah. you, you can have your coffee you can have your glass of wine you're not gonna die you can put some sugar <laughs> in your tea it will not kill you um
1: exactly and we we also need to remember how much food is such a pleasurable experience and such a connecting experience and such a social experience that when we have all these food rules and these restrictions, when they're unnecessary, yeah. um, it can cause so many other issues, you know? Um, I, You know, but I do also want to say that there are people that need to be very restrictive yeah. and there are ways that they can still engage and still be a part of these social scenarios. And again, that's where the dietitian can really help you Feel that you don't have to be left out, and you can still participate. You know, and that sort of thing. Especially with kids, you know, they need to feel included at birthdays, and you know, all that kind of stuff.
3: Yeah. Well, that's the funny thing. Food being enjoyable is actually part of the digestive process. Mm -hmm. you know mastication of food being able to get enough saliva because you actually want the food when you've just got you know a pile of salads with no dressing on (laughs) getting your mouth goes dry yeah and it's like why are you eating yeah yeah
1: yeah Yeah. yeah no you definitely like yeah appetite and and then like you said getting those saliva juices going because honestly they are where the digestive process starts is literally in our mouth with our saliva um, and that, that chewing the mastication. And so, um, you know, I always tell people like, cause some people get into these fads of drinking smoothies for every single meal. You're actually missing that whole piece of the digestive process, you know, and also how is that enjoyable? Um, so again, there's, yeah, there's, there's a reason our bodies do what they do. We're meant to eat. We're meant to chew our food, you know, enjoy it. It's, oh, all
2: of that stuff there's uh it's, it's it comes uh down to social media again because there was a belief when it's juiced it's less calories so there's
0: well they say it's easier to digest yeah, but so, that is yeah. ironic isn't yep. it you're like um, well but now you're not chewing it so it's this <laughs> yeah.
2: social media internet lies again coming I mean, yeah. to play it's trade. so
1: interesting you guys <laughs> And also the thing, too, is is when you're doing, like, these smoothies and things, if you're not doing them right, they're excessively high in calories and excessively high in sugars. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> can totally lack protein yeah. um, and Most fiber and yeah. all of it. So, um, yes, you know, people, like, smoothies just have this absolute halo effect. And it's like, oh, yeah. they're fine. You can have them. But, my God, if you don't have them, it's okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, you can't be having five meals out of six as smoothies in a day it is
3: messing up their digestion rather than helping it yeah
1: (laughs) yes yes and again that would just be just be so boring and then i worry about like the balance of their nutrients their macros their micros the variety they're able to consume you know who is getting whole grains in a smoothie (laughs) well it's 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 sort of smooth i love that i love that term halo effect it's so true because you're like
0: oh well i can put my baobab powder my spirulina my moringa my my
3: your chocolate and
0: and it's just like oh my goodness you know just just have a a a meal with all the macro and micronutrients chew it enjoy it you know and you don't need to spend a fortune on all the superfood powders yeah
1: (laughs) yes yes you guys honestly that i i'm seeing that all the time it's like you know And when I talk to clients, they're telling me all those three things they're adding to their smoothie for extra X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, but why, you know, if you're just eating a well-balanced diet with lots of fruits and vegetables and plants, and you know, you are going to be more than fine. You are just going to be super healthy. You're going to feel great. Um, Yeah. I can't reiterate that enough. Eat real food.
0: Yeah. And I find also with smoothies, you tend to eat them on the go, which again is not good for digestion. You know, it's, it's like, you know, 15 minutes down the hatch. And I, I, if I do that and I have done that, you know, if you are short on time, I always feel bloated.
1: (laughs) Yes. There you go. Mm -hmm. See, Clea, you figured out a boy, and that could totally be what's causing somebody to be bloated. Right. But now they're going to think they have IBS.
2: Yeah,
1: true. Mm-hmm. Oh <laughs> am I am I still there? Okay. I yeah, I got yeah. frozen a little bit. Yeah. Um the other thing that I wanna say is you're also doing it mindlessly then. Yes. You know, so you're unaware yeah. of am I full? Am I still hungry? You know? Um it takes twenty minutes for our stomach to tell our brain it's full. And, you know, if you're downing it in like, you know, seven to ten minutes, oh, you I, just miss that whole process. Two minutes. And then even where was less. the enjoyment in that
2: It's like uh it's like taking yeah. a shot of tequila down. <laughs>
1: Really, and I mean, seriously, and you're gone. Seriously, <laughs> um, or, or if you, and then the other yeah. thing, the other thing, um, gosh, what was I going to say about that? Um, you know, I do recommend sometimes smoothies if people say I just can't eat breakfast, Ashley. Like yeah. I literally can't. I have zero appetite. I'm like, okay, have a smoothie. At least you're getting something. You're starting your metabolism. You know that kind of thing. But yeah, to just like think of this as a health thing and and you know continue to do it excessively
3: yeah well you I always <laughs> have a breakfast smoothie just purely right. because i was pressed for time yeah. there's no way i got meal yeah. in drop car to school go training yeah so yeah. i would have it but i would end up then having to put like fiber in it you know ground up linseed pearl barley lots of stuff in yeah. it but really you know if you can just eat a normal meal
0: yeah yeah as yes. you enjoy
3: it yeah. digest it you know yeah
0: well, yeah. well also with smoothies and you feel more
1: satisfied
0: yeah people put that in right. a lot That's of beautiful. yeah raw vegetables like and i think that can cause bloating as well you know if you're putting yes. in half a you know or a whole bunch of spinach raw <laughs> you know where you would normally cook it you know that can definitely i would say give you some bloat
1: totally that too and then think about how many servings this person is having of fruits and vegetables in this smoothie and then they're drinking that, think about that excessive amount of fiber, which you guys know I'm all about fiber, yeah. but you go the whole yeah. day without it, and then all of a sudden you have like 40 grams just in this smoothie, and it's like, whoa, of course you're going to be gassy <laughs> yeah. and bloated and have all these symptoms.
3: And that's the thing. People go from naught to 60, yeah. these sort of things. Yeah. And with fiber, you've got to kind of build up to a high fiber intake, rather than yes. all of a sudden you're going to have 100 grams of fiber a day. Yeah.
1: You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And drink your water when you're when you're doing fiber. I mean, you should drink water anyways, but yeah. especially when you're increasing your fiber, or it will get stuck, <laughs> and you will definitely have all the GI symptoms you never thought you would have. Yeah. Yeah. So, um,
0: well, I, sorry, I was just looking at a question. We did ask for questions. I only got one question, but it has been answered. Um, mm. But we can maybe just go over it quickly. It was like chapatis and cauliflower get me really bloated. Can you combine a different food to reverse this?
1: Hmm. So I would say that the cauliflower, yes, it mm-hmm. makes sense why it's causing somebody to be bloated because it's the cruciferous vegetable. So that would do it to anybody. Yeah. Um, so that makes sense. Um, so if you're experiencing that, I, I would definitely say it's most likely the cauliflower. So reduce your amount or substitute it for a different vegetable, yeah. non-cruciferous vegetable. Um, and then the chapati... You know, um, what I find um, a lot of people in Kenya is because they're so good. We overeat chapatis and we really large ones, you know, so it could be the fact that you're eating too much of them. So I'd look at the portion and then I would also look at, are you using the white flour? Are you using the brown flour? You know, what else are you eating with that? Because most likely you're not just having a chapati and cauliflower, you're having some sort of stew. Is it a bean stew, you know, that's causing you even more excess gas and bloating? Um, so again, I'd want to look at that whole picture um, and then be able to advise based on that. And is it every single time they have this combination of food, they see that? Is it with other things? You know, what if they just have a cauliflower on their own? You know, there's, there's just um, so much we need to explore. So it's always so hard to just ask, you know, just to answer those questions and give like a definitive answer.
3: What's interesting about that question is, I I listen to it and it looks like they're just trying to say, what foods can I have with them so I can keep eating the chappatis of cauliflower instead of just saying, stop eating so much cauliflower, stop stop eating so much chapati you know, yes. stop looking for a way to keep doing the, what's causing the issue. You, know, you just put a band trying yes. to put a bandaid over it rather than dealing with the actual problem. <laughs> yeah, well, I think
0: yeah. that's yeah. it's it's a good question kind of to uh, sum up the whole podcast in that, you know, s- step one is just being very aware of, you know, what causes you discomfort. So, um, yeah. the takeaway from this podcast is keep, keep your food journal, try and identify, you know, the, you exactly like Ashley said, like write down when you eat your meal, what you eat and then note any, symptoms and then and the yeah.
1: amount the am- yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and the amount and the amount of food because that mm-hmm.
0: yeah and then from there don't go to google <laughs> see a nutritionist or a registered dietitian you know where to find ashley um and i i think it, so it's basically <laughs> an easy two-step process first you keep a journal because i'm sure that's so yes. useful for you Ashley if someone comes yeah. to you and has that journal yes. as well, because I'm sure you probably make them do that anyway. Yes. Um, and yeah, yeah, work, work, you know, always work with a professional. I always, I like that
3: saying. Mm-hmm. Google. Because if you put any symptom into Google, it gives...
2: it gives you the worst.
1: Well, yeah, you're gonna die of cancer in about five days. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you guys. Yeah, it's so extreme. I can't do it. I mean, when my kids are sick or for anything, I, I refuse to Google. I'm like, nope, I my mental health can't take it. I'm yep. going to call the doctor.
2: WebMD yeah. is the worst.
1: Yeah. Sorry, Andy, you froze for a second there.
3: That's okay. As I'm saying, yeah, Google's always going to give you a worst case scenario. It's always, you'll think you are dying and you've got IBS and you've got... <laughs> These other you know, some super bad issues, and it just makes you go crazy. where you could have just gone to the professional, save yourself oh. a lot of stress and do you know, it
0: worked. exactly. And so, what we'll do so is well we've had you so many times, Ashes. But we will put your details so people can contact you. And I know you're in a lot of different places these days, which you know, so people can come and see yes. you in person, which is nice. Um, and if you can send us the link for the FODMAP so that people can go and uh, check that that out. And I don't know, are there any sort of parting points you want to put across?
1: Yes, good question. Um, I think we had a really great conversation, um, you know, and it's been said kind of from you and from Andy is just really, um, you know, don't go for the quick fixes, Really try to take a step back, see the big picture, you know, keep your food journal. One day of symptoms doesn't mean there's something going on, you know. Are you having your monthly period? Did you go out for pizza last night and eat in excess? You know, are you constipated? You know, um, and there are, go to the right professionals, the science-based professionals that can help you understand this. And, you know, reduce your stress around this because that's my job. I, I'm, I'm here to help take away that stress so you can enjoy your food and enjoy whatever types of foods can be allowed in your diet based on your individual needs. Um, so I think that that's really the big takeaway and just, you know, that your diet is part of a holistic approach to wellness. So you can't just try to fix one thing. Um, you know, without looking at the big picture. You know, where's your stress? Where's your mental health? You know, are you exercising? Are you being active? You know, because so many of these things affect the other. Um, So that's really probably what I would want to leave people with. Um, And again, you know, you'll tag me, of course. They'll know where to find me for any further questions.
0: Perfect. Well, that's been so interesting. And um, as always, we could talk longer, but I think we will... Um, stop there and Ashley thank you so much for taking time out of your weekend to talk to us about this I think it's a really yeah it's a really important topic
1: yes thank you so much for having me you guys it's always such a pleasure
0: well I'm gonna go and thank eat uh, some thank bread you. now I think
1: Woo-hoo! enjoy <laughs> and I'm another go
0: coffee, coffee. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay
0: you. bye
2: bye